The FF Live Podcast, presented by Fantasy Football Live. Welcome to episode number eight of the FF Live Podcast, presented by Fantasy Football Live. Today is Wednesday, August 22nd. I'm Ben Schrager, and I'm here with Jeff Lorenz. we got two weeks of the preseason in the books. Jeff, what have you seen so far? You know, we got a really busy show today, a lot of news from this week's preseason game. We're going to do a stock report, let you know who's on the rise, who's falling. So let's get right to it. As you may have noticed, we're switching over to Wednesday for the show. This is how we'll be during the season, so you guys get a little recap of the previous week, get a preview of the next weekend. And today, we're going to have a good show. We're going to have a preseason recap where we're going to talk about things like the Mahomes to Tyreek Hill bomb. 70 yards in the air. 70 yards. It's unmatched. We're going to have some training camp news. We'll have our kick it or stick it. We're going to talk about the penny injury, Dalvin Cook's stock. And we'll finish off with a mailbag, which includes a really fun Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen debate. So we begin with the preseason recap. The first big news is that Rob Kelly, as expected, got the start at running back for the Redskins. And, you know, this was not a surprise, but we weren't really sure what to make of his fantasy value. Jeff, what were you thinking immediately after that game? So it definitely looked like Rob Kelly had a stronghold on the number one back because Samadji Piran didn't even come in until Colt McCoy was in the game. But now we have to look at Adrian Peterson, who just got signed. So what do you think about Peterson fighting for the role with Kelly? I like Peterson over Kelly right now in fantasy. I just think there's no reason AP would want to come back on a team to have a third string role. Rob Kelly started seven games last year and averaged six fantasy points in each of them. That's brutal. He only had one game over 10 points. I don't think Rob Kelly is even a fantasy option right now. You roster him maybe at the end of your drafts, but I'll take AP probably around the 11th round. I wouldn't wait until the last round for AP. Rob Kelly's a guy who couldn't even have more than 400 yards in a season in college. I don't know how he's getting looks as a starting back in the NFL. Peterson is way more upside, so he's the guy you really want to own now. Absolutely. And You know, the next big headline we had was the huge Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill bomb, as we all expected going into the year. This is what we imagined. This is what we all love about Mahomes. This is why Hill has some value this year. What did you make of that that play in itself? So the main thing I took away from that play, and it may be a little bit of an overreaction, but I think Tyreek Hill is the, the clear number one receiving option on this team. There was some talk of Sammy Watkins. Yes, Watkins will have a role, but Tyreek Hill is the clear-cut number one guy. Absolutely, and he and Travis Kelsey have had a lot more targets than the three catches that Sammy Watkins has had this preseason. Watkins will have an all-right role, but what has Watkins done in his career? He's always been hyped up, but what has he done? Nothing. And he's always been hurt as well. Exactly. So I'm pumped about Mahomes. I think Mahomes is a steal as the 15th quarterback off the boards or 16th. I think Tyreek Hill could end up being top 10. You're going to know, you're going to get some weeks with Hill where you only get three points, but he can win your matchup in one single week. And Mahomes, yeah, he's going to have some interceptions, but like we said in the previous podcast, that's not really a concern when you're throwing 70-yard bomb touchdowns. No, I don't care. That bomb is worth so many points. He's going to have a couple of those almost every game. So I love Mahomes this year at his value. I love Hill. I think Hill could easily be top 10. I think that play really gets everybody going. The hype will start going. I think both of their ADPs will jump just because of that one play. And the final 
thing that I took from the preseason this week was Chris Hogan. He caught a touchdown pass. People are kind of forgetting about him. He's going to be Tom Brady's favorite target for at least four weeks to start the year. You know, Gronk will be there, but Gronk's a different animal. Chris Hogan will be the wide receiver that Brady looks to. What do you think of Chris Hogan's value this year? Hogan was a touchdown machine last year prior to injury in the same role that he's going to be in for the first four weeks here. He could honestly emerge as Brady's number one go-to guy. He's going to have a lot of targets because there's really no other receivers there, like you said, besides Gronk. Now, when Edelman comes back, it might be a little bit of a different story, but Hogan's still going to be the starter on that team regardless. He's being drafted as the 28th receiver right now, and I think he's going to be a lot better than that. Yeah, he's going to be a lot better. You think about what it takes to be a top 30 receiver in fantasy. You have four good weeks as a receiver. You're probably ending up in the top 30 overall in the season. You're talking about Chris Hogan, nine of the games that he played last year because he got hurt, four of them he had more than 12 points. He had the 25th most red zone targets for the whole season, and he only played nine games. This guy's going to be an animal. Kick it or stick it. For our next segment, we're going to have our classic training camp, kick it or stick it. The first headline is a big one. It's been emerging all week. Dalvin Cook will split carries with Latavius Murray. Jeff, are you kicking or sticking? Oh, I am kicking this one. You look at the three games where Cook was healthy last year. Murray only had two, three, and two carries. He barely saw the field. And Murray's a guy who really needs a full load to be a productive back. Last year, just 3.9 yards per carry compared to Cook's 4.8. It's clear who's the better back. Yes, Cook might be eased into action for the first couple weeks, but long term, I'm not concerned at all. What about you? I'm kicking this one as well. Dalvin Cook has the potential to be a top five running back, but he's being drafted as a 10th running back. You want to know why? It's because he's coming off injury and Latavius Murray is going to have some carries early. I don't care that Latavius Murray will probably get five to seven carries in the first couple games. I don't care. Dalvin Cook is a stud. You're getting him either at the end of the first round or beginning of the second round, and I am fine with that. He can be an RB1 and will be an RB1. He's just more talented than Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray will not have any standalone value in fantasy. Dalvin Cook will be really, really good. I am not scared of this headline at all. People tend to forget how much better of a pass catcher Cook is than Murray. Murray had just 15 catches all season for 103 yards, where Cook had 10 catches in the three games that he was healthy. So Cook should be on the field for three downs. And if Latavius Murray vultures a few touchdowns, who cares? You're not drafting Dalvin Cook as a top five running back. You're drafting him because he has the potential to be, but you don't expect him to get every single carry in the whole game, and I'm fine with him being a bell cow who loses a couple red zone carries here and there to Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray is not that good. We know that. We saw it last year. He was only good in the red zone. I think Dalvin Cook will be just fine. Our next training camp headline is coming from Seattle. Rashad Penny went down with a broken finger. He's now looking at a two- to four-week recovery time. Ben, are you kicking or sticking this? I'm sticking this one. We've harped on Chris Carson for the last couple podcasts. I hate Rashad Penny. He's still going in the fifth round. I do not know why. Get Chris Carson in the seventh round as a steal. Chris Carson should be a top five round pick. And if you're not taking him in the fifth or sixth round, you're crazy. He's going to have the full load to start. Penny's going to be out at least until week one. And they're saying Penny was so far behind Chris Carson, he needed the whole training camp just to catch up. And now he doesn't have the end of training camp because he's hurt. Penny should be undrafted. I'm sorry if you had an early draft and picked Penny early. I feel bad for you, but Chris Carson will be the guy for at least the first couple weeks. 
I'm right with you there. You really couldn't have said it any better. So I'm going to keep this simple. I'm sticking this as well. Carson was the starter prior to the injury, so this just cemented that even further. I will say that Carson owners should temper their expectations somewhat. He has a very tough schedule. He's got the Broncos, Bears, Cowboys, Cardinals, Rams. All of those were top 10 against the run, except for the Rams, and we all know what they added. They added Ndamukong Sue on the front. So from a season-long perspective, Penny may end up on top, but right now, Carson's the guy. But like I said, temper your expectations. Our next headline came from Cincinnati. Tyler Eifert will not get 50 snaps in a game and will be limited throughout the whole year. Jeff, what do you think? Oh, I'm sticking this. I believe it. But I'm not really concerned about his fantasy production just because he's only going to play 50 snaps in a game. In fact, he averaged 66 snaps per game in his Pro Bowl year in 2015. So if he has 16 snaps less per game and still gets those red zone targets when he had 13 touchdowns, he's still going to be a top five tight end if he's able to do that again. However, he's played just 10 out of the last 32 games in the last two years. He still has that back injury. And this came directly from Marvin Lewis. So yeah, I'm believing it. But like I said, not really going to impact his fantasy value. I'm sticking this one as well. I think it's legitimate, but also you're not drafting him to be on the field all the time. You're not drafting him to be a Kelsey or a Gronk. You're picking him in the later rounds. He's not going as a top 10 tight end. You're hoping Eifert hits maybe eight or nine touchdowns this year and you're happy so i think he could easily do that with 45 snaps because you know when those snaps are going to be they're going to be in the red zone and who else are they throwing to in the red zone aj green's the only other option with eifert down the red zone he's going to get a lot of touchdowns and like you said in his pro bowl season he only had 66 snaps a game so you take 16 of those away you take 20 of those away he'll still do just fine i'm not expecting 13 touchdowns i'm not expecting a thousand yards but Eifert will be a serviceable tight end this year. I would way rather have a Tyler Eifert with 50 snaps a game than a Tyler Eifert that plays 66 and only plays four weeks. I'm with you right there. Our next headline is that Doug Peterson said he was unsure when Alshon Jeffrey will return from injury, and he could end up on the PUP list, which would require him to miss six games. Ben, are you kicking or sticking this? I'm sticking this. Alshon has been very limited in camp. He just put on his helmet to catch passes for the first time yesterday. I don't think Alshon will be ready week one, and I think he's being way overdrafted. He's being drafted as a 21st wide receiver, and I think if healthy, he should be drafted around there. But he probably won't play the first couple games, and like you said, he could end up on Pup. I am sticking this, and I do not want any Alshon Jeffrey shares at his current price. What do you think? I agree with what you said, but I'm going to kick this. Jeffrey played all of 2017 with a torn rotator cuff, and the surgery after the Super Bowl required a six-month recovery time. So this wasn't anything out of the ordinary. This is right where we would expect him to start getting back into the action. He's an important part of the offense, so I don't expect to see him on the PUP list. Maybe he misses a couple games to start the year, but I can't see him being out past week three. What do you think of his price, though? Oh, like you said, I would look at him more as a top 30 wide receiver, not in a top 20. Right. I think I'd match him with like a Devin Funchess or a Robert Woods. Will Fuller, Robbie Anderson, those types of guys. That kind of value. Yeah, he shouldn't be being drafted around Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Jarvis Landry. I'd much rather have all of those guys than Alshon Jeffrey, who will probably miss a week or two, if not more. And he's he's honestly not that involved in the Eagles offense. They spread the ball so much. 
I don't think Alshon is a top 20 wide receiver if healthy. Yeah, I mean, they they have a lot of other weapons in that offense, and people forget they just signed Mike Wallace, who could be taking some deep balls away from Jeffrey. And then, obviously, Aguilar is another season of experience. He's looked a lot better. So, yeah, Jeffrey owners need to temper their expectations. Our final headline from training camp comes from San Francisco. We have two big headlines. The first, Alfredo Sauce Morris signs with the Niners. And Jeremy McNichols has been taking all of the first team reps at running back. Jeff, are you kicking or sticking both of these headlines? Oh, I am kicking this. John Lynch, the GM, said McKinnon will miss the rest of preseason, but he's going to be ready for week one. And besides that, Matt Brieta, the second stringer, had no structural damage in the shoulder that he injured in the week one of preseason. So he's also expected back for week one. So between McKinnon and Brieta, one of them is absolutely going to be back for the start of the regular season. So Alfred Morris and Jeremy McNichols have no business getting first team reps and they won't be come week one. I agree. They need guys in practice to take first team, second team, third team reps. So McNichols, by default, is that guy. But I don't think McNichols will have any role week one. I think Alfred Morris, sauce as we like to call him, will only have a role if McKinnon or Brieta misses time. So I don't think either of them are rosterable in a 10 or 12 team league, but I do not like either one in fantasy. I think McKinnon and Brieta will play week one. Agreed. That's just an overreaction. Fantasy mailbag. We're going to finish off with our mailbag questions coming from Twitter. You can always ask us questions at F Football Live. The first one comes from Renee Gother. If you have to pick between LaShawn McCoy and Alex Collins, who do you pick? Now, keep in mind, LaShawn McCoy is going as the 17th running back. Collins is going as the 18th running back. So it's a very good question. Here's the thing. McCoy, if he wasn't facing league discipline, he would be drafted as a top 10 running back. Now, his price is top 18 which makes him somewhat of a deal, but a little riskier. It all depends on if you're looking for a safer pick or a risk with a lot of upside. So I personally will take McCoy just because of the body of work that he's had in the NFL. And I really don't think the NFL will take action against him this season, if at all. It's a really lengthy process. We saw that with Zeke Elliott, how long it took. And with Collins, there's so much uncertainty. He's had one breakout year. And I still expect Buck Allen to have a role. We even saw Kenneth Dixon get the start last night in the preseason game against the Colts. So I'm not really sold on Collins just yet, but he's the safer pick. But I'm going with the upside in McCoy. I agree with you. I don't think there's any other season where you could wait until the third round and potentially get a top 10 running back who legitimately will be top 10 barring suspension or barring any sort of discipline. A lot of times you could get a guy this late who may emerge into the top 10. Well, Sean McCoy is a top 10 running back. And Alex Collins, to be quite honest, was only good enough last year because of his volume of work. But keep in mind, he only had two games of 100-plus rushing yards, and he went eight straight weeks without a touchdown. He scored five of his six touchdowns in literally four weeks after that. So this guy was not that good last year. And he is a safer pick, but why would you take a safe pick in the third round when LaShawn McCoy is a guy who could easily be top 10? And if he gets suspended, make sure you pair him with a a Peyton Barber late, a Chris Carson late, and you'll be fine. I don't know why you would take Alex Collins that early if LaShawn McCoy is still on the board. And look, it's August 22nd, just three weeks or so till the regular season, and there is nothing suggesting that McCoy is going to face a suspension right now. So he could end up being one of the biggest deals of this year's draft. Our next question comes from John Harris. With Wentz possibly out week one, 
Should I still take him over a guy like Drew Brees or Jimmy Garoppolo? I would say absolutely. The thing with this is Garoppolo is nowhere near Wentz when Wentz is healthy, and Wentz will literally miss one week at most. Drew Brees, on the other hand, it's going to be close because I think Brees is right behind Wentz, and if Wentz misses one week, then Brees will probably end up with the same amount of points. I'm very close with Wentz and Brees, but at the end of the day, I'll take Wentz, I'll pair him with a streaming quarterback who has a good matchup week one, like a Blake Bortles against the Giants week one. And I think you're going to be absolutely fine with Wentz and you take his upside. What do you think? I think this is an easy answer to this question. The answer is Wentz. First off, he's hopeful to play week one. He still might play. And if he doesn't, like you said, stream a quarterback. I don't care. You could pick up a guy like Dak Prescott or just play Nick Foles. It doesn't even matter. He's shown he's a Super Bowl MVP. He can be competent for one week. Wentz was far and away on pace to be the number one quarterback this year, and he could easily do it again. If he misses one game, it's really no big deal at all. Our next question comes from D. McKee. Who has better upside, Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen? The answer to this is Adam Thielen. If Diggs wasn't part of the miracle in Minneapolis against the Saints in the playoffs last year, I don't think we'd even be having this conversation. Thielen's coming off a season in which he had over 1,200 yards. Diggs, on the other hand, has never had 1,000. So this isn't even close. I think Thielen will dominate the receptions once again with Kirk Cousins. He had over 20 more receptions than Diggs last year, and I think it's going to happen again. Thielen's the guy to own. I agree, and I think Diggs, who's being drafted over Thielen right now, is going to be a good option, but I I like Thielen better in general, and I also think Thielen has more upside. Diggs has been hurt almost every year of his career. Diggs runs shorter routes normally. Now, people don't remember that because he had this big catch that sent them to the big game against the Eagles. But Thielen is the guy who's running deep and even from the slot goes deep a lot. And that gives me more upside. But also Kirk Cousins is more comfortable with a guy like Thielen who's going to have better hands than Diggs. And Thielen's going to play more games. The risk of injury for Diggs is so much higher. I think Thielen honestly has a higher floor and a higher ceiling. Our last question comes from Darren. For deep round wide receivers, do you prefer deep threats or slot? I think it completely depends on your team makeup. If you have a a Tyreek Hill and a Stephon Diggs as your two wide receivers, I think you want to have a slot guy as a deep guy, like like a Marquise Lee, so you have a little more stability in your lineup. But if you have Antonio Brown and then you have Golden Tate, I think you go with a deep threat like a Ted Ginn Jr. or a a Michael Gallup as, as your guys. And at the end of the day, it depends on your lineup. And in a deep round wide receiver you're not going to get a guy who's guaranteed anything every week. But honestly, I prefer deep threats because they give you the touchdown upside. But it depends on your lineup. If you need a solid option, go slot. If you think you're going to need a deep threat, if your good guys are more consistent, go with the deep threat. It completely depends. So I thought this was a really good question. And I think the answer depends on whether you're in a standard or PPR league. Someone who's in the slot is going to have a lot of receptions. And that's going to be really valuable for PPR. Whereas that can't be said about standard. So I think in PPR, you want a slot guy. For example, if they get five catches for 50 yards in a game, that's a solid 10 fantasy points for you. But in standard, that'd only be five, which really isn't worth it. Now, in standard, I want the deep threat. I think there's so much more upside here because one or two catches is all you need to have a really great fantasy performance. If someone's going to have one catch for 75 yards and a touchdown, you're looking at like 14 or 15 fantasy points. And that's really good for a deep round wide out and someone that it's a boomer bust pick, but it could pay huge dividends. 
Well, that's it for today's show. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at FFootballLive. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Get your mailbag questions ready for next episode. If you have any questions in the meantime, just tweet them at us. We'll be here. See you next Wednesday, guys.